0: Welcome to The Deep End. I am Ahmed, your co-host, and joining me is my good
1: friend and sports prodigy Mo. Uh, Before we start off this episode, I would like to point out that we both apologize for the lack of content recently. We've had a lot of uh, issues with scheduling and also at the same time um we had a problem or I had a problem a family member of mine had caught COVID-19 and after isolating and things like that you know I just couldn't find the time to properly record an episode but you know we're back and hopefully hopefully getting back up to speed very soon
2: yeah guys I mean thank you to everyone for who listens to us and has been patient with us through this time uh like Hamed said he's been going through some issues uh Family member caught COVID 19, and we just really wanted to make sure that with the whole isolation thing, everyone was fine. He was fine. He was good to record, um, all that stuff. But we can promise one thing that, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances, content will be more regular. Social media posts will be uh, back up to speed, how it used to be. And uh, we got a good episode for you guys here, uh, episode nine. Uh, I'll get us started actually we're gonna go we're gonna actually preview the games so we're we're filming this on Friday or recording this rather on Friday Premier League game started back up tomorrow as you all know we've been on a nice international break here so the club matches haven't really been happening but that all changes tomorrow and I can start off with uh, Chelsea and Leicester King Power Stadium is the venue for this one uh, Romelu Lukaku uh, was really is a story for this for this game. Um, he was he he's been out for a while. Supposedly he might start on the bench tomorrow, and um, I don't think he's going to start in the eleven. But he's probably going to come off the bench tomorrow. So that's going to be something something mm-hmm. to keep uh, the eye on for sure. Chelsea have been in really good shape even without him though. I mean they've had some moments where they looked like they needed a striker, but at the same time, uh, Thomas Tuchel has just been so great with the. Uh, with the, the lineups and the tactics and everything, having them back will definitely bolster their attack, that's for sure. And on Leicester's side, um, Leicester have been a little iffy. They've been dropping points uh, here and there. They currently sit 12th, uh, 15 points. Chelsea is first, obviously, with 26 points. That hasn't changed in the last week or so. So, uh, Leicester are going to be playing with something to prove for sure. Um, and. I mean, maybe we're not going to go as far as say they're going to shoot up to a Champions League spot because that's going to be tough for them with everyone doing so well. But um, just, just something to keep your eye on here. Um, Leicester are unbeaten in their last three home Premier League matches against Chelsea. Last having a longer unbeaten run uh, in 1985. It was the last time they had an unbeaten run against Chelsea that long. It's only three home games, but it's still, it's still something to keep the eye on. And mm. Chelsea have only lost three of their 18 Premier League games against Leicester. One of those was at King Power Stadium last season, 2-0, and Frank Lampard's last game in charge of Chelsea. So I think this game, uh, Chelsea should, should win this game. Again, anything can happen in football, even with Lukaku coming off the bench. I just think they have... Just have way too much uh firepower for, for leicester Uh the players, players had a decent um international break for sure. Uh Reese James with England, um Jorginho uh with uh, Italy and list goes on and on, Mason Mount, those guys, all those guys had had really good international breaks for with their clubs. So I think Chelsea's in good shape for this, and um Lester really need Jamie vardy to show up, man. I mean, he hasn't really been showing up so far in the league. But hopefully he can get it going. Uh Kalichi uh, Ian Acho as well. Um Yuri Tielemans has been doing his thing, but Chelsea are gonna need a more or Leicester are gonna need a more concerted effort from everyone on their side
0: for this game for sure. Right. And couple or I, I mean I only have two points for this. You basically did
1: say everything that I wanted to say, but there are two points. Uh, one, Chelsea. The players that were on internet break, they honestly had not been doing that well even. If we're gonna talk about Jorginho, Jorginho, um he missed the penalty. Lost. Yeah, missed the penalty. He's missed his last three, I believe. Uh, after being like one of the most accurate penalty shooters like in the entire league, even maybe in even more, like in Europe in in, in general. And um, you know, international breaks are not as physically demanding as the Premier League. But at the same time, they are demanding compared to Leicester City. Leicester City don't have a lot of players that, you know, went on on international duty. Uh, I'm speaking specifically about Jamie Vardy. I'm talking about, you know, James Madison, Harvey Barnes, you know, these players right here. I feel like maybe Leicester could surprise everyone and maybe even beat Chelsea tomorrow because they've had that rest. This was a pretty lengthy international break. and. You know, rest is never a bad thing. As long as, like, you know, I feel like they're if they can shake off the rust fairly quickly, maybe we might see an upset tomorrow. I feel like that could be the case only if Leicester can get it together early on because once Chelsea really, you know, dominates that midfield and, you know, goes ahead with their passing and their tactics, I feel like they're almost unbeatable because their defense is A1. Their keeper is fantastic, Eduard Mendy. But uh, you know, it's. I feel like at the moment, maybe a little bit of a hot take, but I feel like it's Leicester's game to lose at the moment. Yeah,
2: I'd say that's definitely that's definitely a hot take, but I mean, like you and I said, anything can really happen in this game. All it takes is one off day for Chelsea, you know, league leaders, and maybe Jamie Vardy has an on day. The attack of Leicester has an on day, so you never know. It could it could very well happen, you yeah. know.
1: Uh, Moving on to this next game, it's going to be Aston Villa and Brighton. Um, On paper, it doesn't really sound like, you know, that much of a great matchup. But if we are going to look at the the tables, Aston Villa right now are currently in 16th place. And I know that's not a great standing, but, you know, put in mind that they do have a new coach. Uh, Premier League legend, Liverpool legend, uh, uh, Steven Gerrard. Um, arguably, arguably one of the greatest fielders to ever grace the game in England. Uh, every, every Liverpool, every Liverpool fan admires this guy like to an insane amount. And his tactics, um, are fantastic. You, you see that with what he did with the Scottish team, uh, the Rangers, I believe that the Rangers' rival Celtic they had like an eight-year run where they won the title each of those eight years, and uh, in the previous season last year, Rangers broke that streak and they ended up winning the title themselves. So Steven Gerrard is a proven coach; he's a great manager. I feel like he could really do well with Aston Villa. I'm not sure if they can see results maybe this season. But if they can avoid relegation and, you know, maybe build a solid midfield and maybe strengthen that um, that defense a little bit more, I feel like maybe starting from next season, they could, you know, make some noise like they did previously when they had Jack Grealish. Uh, I know that Steven Gerrard is, is definitely going to focus more on the defense because he's already admitted that the defense is not that great. If we're going to look at the defense, we're talking about players such as Matty Cash, who is quickly becoming... A very, very, very good and dependable uh, defender. Uh, We're looking at Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings, obviously, he's definitely one of the best center backs in um, the league. And he's also the starter next to Harry Maguire with the English national team. So there's that as well. And looking at Brighton, Brighton isn't currently in seventh place. They're kind of on a little bit of a downtrend, you know, a couple weeks ago. I think it was the last episode when we mentioned that Brighton was in 5th, and we talked about how great the, uh, the defense was with Brighton, but, you know, they've dropped a couple points in their last couple of games. Uh, overall, they've won 4 games, they've joined, they drew 5, and they've lost 2, with a total of 17 points. They're also tied with Manchester United um, for that 7th spot. So, you know, it looks like a pretty interesting game for them tomorrow.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's something to go back to what you said. Um Brighton have drawn a lot including with Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. But the last time they won a game, the last time they actually won a, a Premier League game, I should say, was September 19th Bright, against uh, Leicester City 2-1. So their offense has has been there, but like we said, they're more of a defensive team. They've been holding teams to like very little points, like one-one against Crystal Palace, nil-nil Arsenal, nil-nil Norwich, um, except with the exception of Man City, because it's hard to hold them to anything. They drew with Liverpool two-two, like I said earlier. Um, so their their defense is okay; it's not it's not bad. They're definitely a defensive team, but the issue is, and their offense. So I don't know if something's gonna have to give. Uh, Aston Villa, you know, they're they're okay team. They've been they've been losing the past. They've been losing quite a a few. I think they've lost like five in a row, five Premier League games in a row, with the exception of winning the last time they won was at Man United 1-0. So something's going to have to give here. Either, you know, it's going to end in a draw. I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to end in a draw. Either 1-1 or 0-0. I'm going to go 1-1 for this game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say 1-1. It's going to end in a draw because one team's not very capable on offense. The other team's very capable on defense. So uh, I'm going to go draw. But in all competitions, Brighton have only won one of their last 12 matches against Aston Villa, um, a 2-1 away win last season in the Premier League, their first ever away win over Villa. Um, that's that's a pretty crazy stat right there. And mm-hmm. Brighton are winless in the last six Premier League games, though five of these have ended um, away from home. Uh, have ended. Um, I'm sorry, have ended one um, with one goal um in the game like i said their defense has been pretty good but they're still they're still losing <clears throat> or tying i'm sorry and away from home they're one of the th- they're one of three teams still unbeaten in their premier league with because they've been drawing so much
0: mm-hmm.
2: So, so i mean yeah that's that's about it that's about it for that game i don't really see this game really taken on anything anything more than it is. Steven Gerrard, of course, England and Liverpool legend. I'd I'd love to see what he's what he's doing. I'm very excited for him because he did so well with Rangers, and I'm on like a crazy winning streak. Um, <clears throat> once upon a time, so yeah, I'm very I'm very excited to see that. And, and move on to this game. That's pretty intriguing for me. It's uh, Man United and Watford. I mean, Watford's probably one of, one of the clubs that's going to end up getting relegated. They're in 17th right now. Man United's in 6th. What I'm really interested in more of is Man United. Um, no offense. No disrespect to Watford. No offense. I really just want to kind of focus on Man United here just because they're in a kind of a sticky situation. We talked about it last episode um, with uh, Shire. He's, uh, his job's on the line. It's been on the line for a while. Um. But he's been getting saved by none other than Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, even though they have lost... Um, they did lose their last game 2-0 against Man City. But they did tie against Atlanta in the Champions League. The last uh, the last match day in the Champions League. 2-2 again because of Cristiano Ronaldo saving him. And the last time they won a Premier League game was 3-0 at Tottenham. Which, I mean... Yeah, it's not really saying much. I don't really think much of Tottenham's defense at this point. They're not too great. They've been getting they've been getting beat by t- teams that are worse than Man United. So, Man United should have beat them that game. So, I think for that reason or for those reasons, that's why, you know, Solskjaer's job is is kind of it's kind of hanging by a thread here. And surprisingly Watford, well, not really surprisingly, but they've lost 12 of their 14 they they've lost 12 of their last 14 premier league games against man united and they haven't lost like that against any other side so um not really a shock there man united have won 18 of their last 26 matches against watford with a win ratio of 69% among teams they've faced at least 20 times in the top flight they only have a higher win ratio against Salute in town which they're not even in the premier league right now yeah and Manchester United are winless in the last three Premier League games against newly promoted teams, drawing against West Brom, Leeds, and Fulham last season. They haven't gone four in a row without a win against such opposition since September 1997, that saw them fall to Sunderland, Derby, Leicester, and Bolton. So, with that being said, they're in um they're they're in shape with just by that stat for. To quote unquote, continue this bad losing streak. But we have to remember that it is Watford, and they're like we said on one of our, our first ever episodes. They're kind of like a, along with Norwich, they're kind of like a yo-yo club. Um, they've been in the Premier League, but who knows? The season's not looking too hot. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three nil and United. I'm saying uh, Ronaldo scores at least two of those goals,
1: if not all three. I mean, for the sake of my fantasy team, I genuinely hope that Ronaldo does score and end up scoring, you know, like you said. Um, We've talked about this before. We've talked about how Man United has been struggling, and I'm never the type of person to really blame it on a coach because I feel like it's always up to the players, but I feel like Solskjaer definitely deserves some blame because... We talked about this, but, you know, you look at the squad on paper. It's crazy, you know, the amount of names that they have. But it's it's not even just about the names that are playing. We're talking about some really good names that don't play, um, you know, on the bench. I'm mainly talking about uh, Donnie Van de Beek, guy that came in from iX. Uh, I'm going to make this case as much as I can. That man should be playing much more. He's he he has the potential to be like one of the best midfielders, you know the game could offer today because he's just very very good. He's very good with passing. He's very good with on the ball. He could also play that holding deep, you know that holding midfield. But at the same time, he's always joining the attack. I feel like if we're gonna compare him to a player that you know plays similar similarly to him on that squad, I'm gonna look it straight at Bruno Fernandez. I feel like he could definitely play that, you know, that kind of attacking style uh, at the same time being, you know, that playmaker. And I feel like Donny Van de Beek should at least he does he at least deserves a chance to play against Watford. Like you said, no disrespect to Watford, but we're talking about a team that's not that great on paper. We're talking about a team that fired their coach a couple of weeks ago and they, uh, they hired uh, Claudio Ranieri. Uh, everyone else, Claudio Ranieri, the guy that was in charge of Leicester in the 2016 season when they won the Premier League title after, you know, getting promoted to the Premier League and ended up winning the title like, during their first year. Uh, again, my favorite season in Premier League football since I have started watching. And uh, Ranieri is a great coach. He has great tactics. You know, he chooses team building over big names. And I feel like he's going to do good for Watford as a long-term project kind of thing. I don't think he's going to receive results uh, at the moment. I definitely see Watford going down to the championship, the second tier after this season. And I feel like maybe he's going to, you know, rebuild his squad and, you know, look for hidden gems around that league. And hopefully, hopefully come back to the Premier League with a stronger side. And... Yeah. Uh, I definitely do not see a Watford win here. Um, I, I hope Man United wins because you know seeing a team with that many star players is baffling to see them lose so much. You know, especially against Tottenham. Tottenham, I think, um, when they beat Tottenham three to nothing, it kind of just showed you like how good this team can be. But then you look at the next week and the next week, it feels like we see a different team week in and week out. And I feel like the inconsistency is really starting to show, especially when it comes to tactics. Because we're seeing players like Scott McTominay. We're seeing players like Fred. We're seeing players like, you know, Rashford or Anthony Martial. They're really good players by themselves. But, like, when you have players such as Vandy Beek and Jesse Lingard... And all these players on the bench not playing, and especially Jaden Sancho um, as well, not playing, and you see these players playing, it kind of makes you, you know, scratch your head a little bit thinking, like, you know, what is Solskjaer doing?
2: Yeah, I I was waiting for you to mention Jaden Sancho. He's probably, like, the biggest, biggest one, in my opinion, that I feel like he's a product of not adjusting to—the Premier League is so much different than the Bundesliga— And I feel like it's always not as cut and dry as just, oh, this guy is a good passer. Oh, this guy is like a good, you know, has good skill, has good raw talent. It's a lot more than that. It goes into like the system of playing in the league. And I feel like he was, he was wreaking havoc in the, in in the, in the Bundesliga. I mean, in the 2019 season, he had 17 goals and 16 assists. So that's, that's, that says all it needs to be said. That's, that's a really, really decent stat. So I feel like. it's so unfortunate for him because I'm one of those people that didn't want him to come to Man United. I really didn't. I wanted him to stay at Dortmund and kind of make a name for himself, kind of like Marco Royce. He's probably the only guy that's really, you know, tenured at Dortmund, if you want, if you want to say tenured. He's one of those guys that has been there forever, and he's kind of made a name for himself in German football with that. I feel like Jaden Sancho is one of those players that probably should have never left because it's going to take him some time to adjust and I just really 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 don't want to see him waste his prime riding on a Man United bench. So yeah, it's just it's it's very sad to see players like that not getting their chance. Whether it's a product of the system or a product of them just how they are. I don't know. It's it's
0: sad.
1: Yeah, but at the same time I feel like Jadon Sancho like yes, obviously the Premier League is an entirely different animal because um you know, if we're going to compare the teams in the Bundesliga compared to the teams in the Premier League, you know, anything can happen on any given day in the Premier League. You know, you know, a team, a, an elite team could have a day off, you know. They could just not be in it that one day. You always see upsets like this in the Premier League. In the Bundesliga, it's not, it doesn't happen as often. Kind of an ironic say since we saw Bayern Munich lose today to Augsburg. I don't know what that was about. But um you know, Jadon Sancho was the star player next to Erling Holland at Dortmund. And as much as Erling Holland is a goal scoring machine, definitely one of the best goal scorers in the world right now, Jadon Sancho when he was with Dortmund, he also got his own while at the same time he scored plenty of goals and he has it a bunch of times, mostly to Marco Royce and uh, Erling Holland, obviously the other two players in the front line with him. But for him to be transferred to Manchester United and to him not to have literally not one goal contribution yet is kind of surprising because I feel like like at least assist, you know what I mean? Like, bro, look who you have as your targets you can pass to. You have Bruno Fernandez, You have Cristiano Ronaldo. You have Marco uh, – my bad, I'm sorry. You have uh, Marcus Rashford. You have Anthony Martial, You have Mason Greenwood. You have so many players that you could definitely help out. And I feel like it's not just adjusting to a harder or more difficult league. I just feel like part of it is just him not getting enough playtime, but also when he does end up, end up getting playtime, getting those garbage minutes that he usually gets at the end of games when Man United is clearly in the lead, uh, he just doesn't make the most of his chances. He just doesn't like. I feel like the player that we saw in the Bundesliga is much different than the player that we're seeing now in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, but I mean, again, it's it's not like he just regresses as a player in like less than a season. It also has a lot to do with the system he's playing in, and that has to do with uh, Solshire's uh, system too. Of course, he's not giving him the opportunities. He's not playing him. In the like at the right moments at the right times and giving him that freedom. And it's gonna be hard to get that freedom on Man United, unfortunately, which I mean who knows? If there's a coaching change that happens, he might. He might be able to get some more freedom and we can see what Jaden Sancho really is.
0: Do you see fire this season? Do I see what? Do you see Solskjaer getting sacked this season?
1: Do you do you uh, see that? Do you think that's realistic to say?
2: Yeah, I think if they I think if I think if they get eliminated f- from the Champions League in the group stage, uh because their their group is very much up for grabs. They're they're nowhere near a shoe in to advance. So I feel like if they if they don't advance the group t- stage of the Champions League, I think they
0: will he, he will get sacked. Okay. All right. I also feel I mean I don't think he's going to get sacked. He
1: should. But I don't think he will. Uh, it's just the amount of support that he has from the Man United board is insane. They always feel like, you know, he's a trust the process kind of guy. You know, things will be hard. Things will be, you know, you'll always face adversity. But for some reason, even when Man United were at their lowest points this season, especially after the five to nothing loss to Liverpool, everyone who's ever watched the Premier League game was saying, like, you should not be losing, you know, that badly to a team with the squad that you have on paper. So everyone was truly (laughs) expecting Solskjaer to be sacked literally right after that game. And then reports came out saying that, you know, the Glazers, who are obviously the the board for Man United, the Glazer family, um, that they still support him and they feel like, you know, you just need to trust the process and he's still adjusting to this team and whatnot. You know, this new dynamic, you know, bringing big time players such as, you know, Jadon Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo and all those people. But um, I I just don't know why they, they just support him that much. I just feel like he should be sacked. I feel like he should be gone by now. Clearly, his tactics are not as great as everyone thinks. Clearly, he doesn't know how to utilize some of the players that he has on his bench. That, like I've mentioned before, so why he's staying around, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not even sure if he's like well liked by the locker room. Like, I'm not saying he's lost the locker room, but I know that he's definitely not a favorite in there. Uh, you can definitely see it the way that they, they react to the coach or how they react with the manager, you know, during training or during the games and things like that. So I don't know just basically my answer to my own question is should he be fired yes will he be fired probably not probably not until the end of the season maybe if they don't finish in the, in a champions league spot this season i think i definitely think he could be gone um i definitely think man united missed out by not firing him sooner because i know that antonio conte was definitely their top target um for the next manager position but, you know, they apparently took too long. You know, Tottenham sweeped him up. They fired Nuno and they they hired Conte. And, you know, not really sure who's in the market right now that they could definitely hire as a manager. Like, obviously Zidane, Ooh, I know. Zidane comes to mind, but, like, would he be interested in that? I don't think so. And I know you're probably about to say Coleman, but, like, I don't think Coleman gets another job anytime soon.
2: Oh, I, I want him to, I want him to get another job so bad just so the rest of the world
1: can see how terrible he is as a coach oh sure uh it's actually pretty funny i read i'm not sure how true this is but i did read a rumor that um ernesto valverde was a name that man united were looking at this season which i found pretty funny because man like valverde that's that's a blast from the past you know what i mean i think what he was the coach what two years ago was it two years ago yeah yeah
2: he was he yeah. was the one that took over before uh, uh, Kike Sutian um so yeah, about two, three years ago,
1: yeah, that is that guy was funny. that guy was was he was he was good to watch. He had pretty okay tactics. um you know, as as bad as his coaching was, he still had some pretty good results with Barcelona. I mean, crazy dude, I'll take see? him. I'll take him now.
2: <laughs> I'll definitely take him now right with, with That's what I'm saying.
1: Anyway. It's crazy how Two years ago, literally everyone, including you, I do remember you complaining about him mm-hmm. quite a bit, but, like, I don't think anyone expected, you know, Coleman to be that bad.
0: Oh, no, definitely not.
1: All right, uh, I'm going to move on to the next game. Next game, we are looking at Newcastle and Brentford. Newcastle, obviously, enjoying their new riches, uh, enjoying their new coach as well, Eddie Howe. He, um signed, I believe it was last week, for the Newcastle job. Uh really looking forward to long-term, you know, development of the team. Obviously stacked with uh, money now thanks to the Saudi Arabia takeover. Um it's unfortunate that he is going to miss tomorrow's game because he recently tested for COVID-19, uh, turned out to be positive. Um mm-hmm. so he will not be at the game tomorrow, but You know, I think it's exciting to see Eddie Howe back in the Premier League. I feel like he's a really, really good coach. He's very good when it comes to development. I'm not sure if Newcastle is going to go the development route as opposed to literally just buying anyone they can with the money that they have now. But it's going to be really interesting to see, like, the strategy that Newcastle uses moving forward. Like, Are they just going to go ahead and try to buy anyone they can? You know, players that are rumored at the moment, such as, you know, obviously Dembele, talking about Coutinho, we're talking about Alexis Sanchez, all these players are rumored to go to Newcastle now that they have that newfound money. Um so I don't know, it's going to be really interesting how he how he, you know, deals with that team going forward. Uh they're going up against Brentford. Uh Brentford, one of my most watched teams this season. Definitely a team that I'm following uh, very closely. Uh, kind of disappointed in Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, I talked about him uh, quite a bit on this on this podcast, and I really felt like he should have had more goals uh, this season so far. But uh, he's doing well. A pleasant surprise in Embuemo. Embuemo doing really really well considering he didn't get that much play time last season. But he's doing very very well this season, and um, a really good defense. A really good defense in Brentford. Uh, lots of their draws were literally just clean sheets, literally nil-nil draws, things like that. Uh, they're doing okay when it comes to, you know, attacking, but you know, sometimes it just feels like Ivan Toni really needs to step up his game a little bit to be the elite striker that he's shown to be, or that he was last season of the championship. So when it comes to, I, I can't really give a prediction because I feel like Newcastle they have a really good attack when it comes to uh obviously Saint Maximine. He's been doing fantastic this season, but at the same time, um Callum Wilson, he's also been doing well this season, but Brentford's defense is really tough. They have a really good keeper. You know, they have players such as Joe Pinnock and uh, Jansen and all those players. And I feel like I don't know, I feel like Brentford's defense might be a little bit too much for Newcastle. So I don't know. I feel like maybe a draw is in the cards. I'm maybe gonna. I'm also gonna predict one-one. One-one seems like reasonable to me at least.
2: Yeah, I agree with the whole Brentford defense thing, and for that reason, um, I, I'm predicting a two-one win because in in form. Uh, Ivan Tony's been he's been itching for a goal. You could tell he's he's had so many missed chances. He's he's a poacher. He's always in the box. He's always looking for opportunities to score, he's a he's a big body guy and he's always he always has chances. It's just a matter of finishing. So well, maybe he'll get off to the uh, Schneid this game and uh and score one. I'm I'm going two one, but it's just interesting to see how this um uh, how this influx of money is going to change Newcastle United. I mean you go back in the day and you think of the Dembaba days and uh Papi Cisse and all those great attackers and you wonder if they're gonna add to that. I mean uh, Alan St. Maximan is a great he's a great striker, he's a great attacker. But I think they'll be looking to move on from him with all the money they, they're getting, which you can't really blame them. They're, they can pretty much buy whoever they want. It's just a matter of uh, uh, logistics and contract negotiations and all that stuff. So I think I think I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic for Newcastle. Uh, I do, I do want to see them, you know get back to when they were good again. and um, hopefully that can happen soon. So, along with Watford, Newcastle are one of the two sides without a clean sheet in the Premier League this season so far. Um, only Norwich have conceded more goals in 26 than Newcastle thus um, this far. So, that'd be something to look at uh, for sure for Newcastle. Uh, I don't really watch either team that much. So, I'm probably just going to leave it at that. And then on to the next game here this is a game that you know eyes around the world will be watching it's definitely the game of the weekend uh liverpool and arsenal at anfield and i want to emphasize at anfield because that's a very it's an extremely tough place to win games uh it's like the whole atmosphere you'll never walk alone all that stuff it's just it's it's ridiculous playing in there i feel i feel bad for for the arsenal arsenal guys going in there but um arsenal's in great great shape ever since that the loss against man city earlier this year it was five nil they haven't lost a single game since and they're only two points behind liverpool so this is going to be a very very hard fought game for sure um obviously there's nothing really to be said about liverpool we all know how great they're doing we all know how most law is doing this year best player in the world just making things happen left and right for the team but i mean they are coming off a nice win in the champions league um off uh, from uh, atletico madrid and they did lose though the last premier league game to west ham uh that that game was a little little tricky because west ham is a very good team and people sleep sleep on them a lot just because they don't have like the you know the the star players or the or you know the big mm-hmm. fan following but still um liverpool is still in good shape i would not I would not take this game light and i would not take arsenal lightly either because they uh, arteta has found the formula for this team it seems like ever since the beginning of the season he was just getting slammed for all the lineups all this, the this poor lineups he was putting out and now he's starting to actually get a hang of it i feel now he's getting more comfortable with the players he's actually he's actually knowing who to plug and play in these situations and who's best for his team and i think aaron ramsdale as goalkeeper has just been absolutely on fire this guy Went from being Mr. Relegation, every team he's been on being relegated, to to Mr I don't know, Mr Mr. World class saves, I guess. Mr. Clean Sheets, you know, like this guy's just been he's been on it, man. And uh Emil Smith Rowe, shout out Emil Smith Rowe. I just picked him up on my fantasy team, actually. So hopefully he'll get me either an assist or a goal. He's been in really good form too for Arsenal. Uh he's panning out to be the wonder kid that they that they thought he would be, the um, home homebred talent so good for them on that so this is going to be definitely the game to watch as far as prediction goes this is going to be a hard hard fought game but i'm going to go 2-1 liverpool uh this game i'm going gonna take liverpool just
0: slightly at them 2-1 right uh you did mention really a lot of good points i do want
1: to add that you know you've you've definitely talked about You know, the players have been making a difference so far with Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal have the most points over the last eight games since they lost that uh, game to Manchester City, that that thrashing that they took from Manchester City. They've had the most points in the Premier League in total since then. And a lot of players to really give credit for. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Emil Smith-Rowe has been fantastic. The academy graduate, the guy that has been very proud to play for Arsenal. He's been doing fantastic, you know, assisting, you know, scoring, things like that. He's been a very celebrated all around. Actually, just got his first England call-up during this international break after the amazing run of form that he's had with Arsenal so far. You talked about Aaron Ramsdale. He's been fantastic, you know. Mr. Relegation is somehow becoming Mister world-class. It's crazy. Um, we're talking about the new right back signing, uh, Tomoyasu. He's been doing great, you know, and, uh, I feel like, you know, just, I feel like Obama Yang and Lacazette, they just need to step up their game a little bit more. And I feel like, you know, Arsenal could definitely continue this run of form. Um, but I do want to talk about something. Recently, and I believe that this was either today or yesterday as of this recording, Mikel Arteta, Arteta was talking about in the, during a press conference, uh, kind of felt like he was a little bit overconfident. He said that if Arsenal play their usual game, they're definitely uh, going to beat Liverpool. And he talked about his tactics a little bit during that press conference where he was talking about they need to they're gonna focus more on outrunning their opponents because obviously as everyone knows Liverpool have some speedy wingers some very speedy left backs right backs you know their wing backs are doing crazy um so he wants to outrun their opponents maybe catch them you know off guard uh he said he's going to be using a hybrid formation uh for those of you that don't know what that is that's basically just using a formation that could be the you know the standard four-four th- or four-three-three uh, three that most teams use these days, but at the same time, it's going to be like kind of a fluid formation where it kind of, for depending on the flow of the game, it could switch over to a four-four-two, maybe a four-two-three-one. You know, it depends on how really the game goes. He's not going to be going with a set formation coming into this game. Um, he also talked; he hinted that Lacazette's going to have the kind of a dual role to- during tomorrow's game. Um, not sure what that's supposed to mean. As we all know, Lacazette is a striker, and he's a pretty good one at that. Maybe he was hinting at maybe being more of a playmaker role, kind of you know delegating though that striker, you know, responsibility over to Aubameyang or maybe another young player. You know, Emile Smith Rowe. He's not technically a striker, but he's definitely always in the box when it comes to you know Arsenal's attacking. Uh, I. Do not see Arsenal winning. I would be very surprised if they do. It kind of tells you that Arsenal is for real if they do end up winning this game. But I feel like maybe Arteta's overconfidence, uh, his overplanning is going to maybe work against him a little bit. Because as we all know, Jurgen Klopp is... He's a master tactician. Uh, He definitely knows how to do in-game adjustments very quickly. He knows how to make the right substitutions... Um, he's just a better coach than Mikel Arteta, and I feel like personnel-wise, yes, Liverpool do have a lot of injuries at the moment. Obviously, Robert Firme or er, uh, yeah, Firmino is out. Uh, I believe Mane is also out. I'm not sure what Andrew Robertson's status is at the moment, but he did get injured during this international break. But you know, even with all those injuries. Liverpool do have some pretty solid backups to really fill those roles. Obviously, we're definitely going to see Diego Jota starting. We might see Divac Origi uh, playing striker tomorrow. Very, very, uh, you know, normal thing that we could be seeing tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe, what, 3-1 Liverpool? 3-1 sounds good. I feel like it's going to be close throughout the game. Maybe Liverpool pull away during the second half and then... You know, Arsenal is obviously going to commit, maybe overcommit to attacking, but, you know, Liverpool is just going to strike back. I feel like a 3-1 result is definitely in the cards for that team.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Arsenal has been playing really well lately. I'm not going to take anything away from them, anything away from Arteta, how he's been able to pick pick it up, but... Yeah, I don't. I just don't see them winning. I'd be. It'd be nice if they draw, but I still think that Liverpool just has just has. Just they have just enough to get by them. And uh, yeah, you said three one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with my two one. It's definitely gonna be a dog fight though. Arsenal's not gonna. They've shown people that they're they're not a doormat anymore. That you can't just walk all over them like uh, like they were last season and the beginning of this season. So should be fun. Definitely the definitely the game of the weekend for me
0: for sure.
1: Hmm. Uh, going on to, I think one of the more interesting games. Uh, this one's unfortunately not going to be played on Saturday. It's going to be a Sunday game. It's going to be uh, Tottenham Hotspurs against uh, Leeds United. And uh, Leeds, they're 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 not a bad team. They're really not a bad team. Uh, but I'm definitely going to watch this game mostly for Conte. Um, we did mention before last episode and obviously on this podcast that. Um, on this episode, I mean, that Conte is the new manager for the Spurs. And he, I believe, he won his first game in the Europa Conference League or the UEFA Conference League. And he drew with Everton during his first league game. I feel like this is the the, the game where Conte is really going to show his great tactics. Um, for those of you who don't know, Conte was the manager of Inter Milan. Uh, last season and they ended up winning the title last season they believe they broke a very long streak I'm not sure how many years but Juventus was winning the league like almost every year it seems like and they broke that streak last year and it was definitely due to Conte's tactics um uh, Conte likes to employ a 3-4-3 formation um, which is kind of risky because three at the back is definitely playing with fire. Kind of feels like if you're caught off guard a little bit. um, mm-hmm. you're not going to do that well. Um I'm not sure exactly who he's going to have at the back, but I know that Eric Dyer is definitely going to be a player in the back. Um, maybe I'm not really sure who else could be there maybe Ben Davies, I'm not exactly sure he didn't get that much playing time uh, under Nuno but I feel like he's <laughs> definitely going to find his niche with Antonio Conte uh, for the midfield, you know, you have a lot of options Um, at the left, like at the very far left, I definitely see uh, Rugoulion, the left back for Tottenham because he's definitely going to be there I could definitely see that happening um, maybe Harry Winks, maybe Lo Celso, so maybe Deli Alley. I'm not really sure how he's going to go with the midfield. I'm really interested in seeing the front three as well because Kante really loves running that um, 3 4 three formation, and he loves pure strikers. Like, we saw last year in the Serie A what he did with Romelu Kaku. He had one of his best years of his career. Um, because of that amazing campaign that he had last year, We saw Chelsea break the bank to bring him over back to Chelsea. And I feel like, you know, this is exactly what Harry Kane needed. If he's still committed to this team, if he is not mentally checked out, I feel like this coach is definitely going to, you know, tap into that potential that he should be playing, or, you know, at the level that he should be playing at this season. Um, Because Conte really does love pure strikers, like I just mentioned. He does love wingers as well. He does he definitely has a knack for wingers, but he only likes wingers that really know how to make their way into the box. Like he doesn't he's not a huge fan of wingers that literally just run along the sideline and then you know cross it into the box. He loves a winger that can slash, he loves a winger that can cut. Uh Heung-min son is definitely, definitely his perfect idea of a winger. And Harry Kane is definitely his perfect idea of a striker. I'm not sure what he's going to do with Lucas Mora. Because I know that Lucas Moura, he doesn't go into the box that often. He definitely crosses more than he cuts. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what An- Antonio Conte does with him. But, um, you know, that partnership that we saw last season, that amazing partnership between Heung-Min and and Son and Harry Kane, a campaign that ended up finishing, you know, Harry Kane had the most assists and the most goals last season. I really feel like he can kind of get up to that level again under Conte because, because he can have boys is perfect for Harry Kane. It's literally just made for him. It's going to be really exciting to see what he does with Harry Kane.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's true. He does love a, love a true striker, and he has that in Harry Kane, but I don't know if Harry Kane has it in himself anymore. Uh, he looks great with the national team, but again, you know, it's totally different playing for your national team and then going to play for a club like Tottenham. I'm not going to lie. Um, I jumped the gun too early on Tottenham this year. Uh, I kind of got on their bandwagon, you know, really quickly and they've definitely been disappointing over the past few weeks they've dropped severely they're out of a europa league spot now Um, not to say they're going to end up there there's still a very long season i think they'll get a europa league spot but they've just been very disappointing Conte last game interestingly enough went went with a 3-4-2-1 so kind of heavy on the midfield but the wingers that's the key there like you said the wingers he had uh son and then lucas mora as well and they're on the wings, both both like slashing. They definitely don't, they're definitely not crossing type of wingers. They definitely like to slash and attack, get the ball into Harry Kane, especially too. Uh, I like I like Hoyberg in midfield and uh, Sergio uh, Reguilón as well. Um, the back three though, it doesn't really do it for me. Ben Davies, Eric Dyer, and Romero. Who knows if he's gonna change that next game? Uh
1: it doesn't yeah, so really actually, do it I was thinking of Romero. Me. I was thinking of Romero. Yeah. I forgot what his name was. I'm sorry. Keep going.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't really like them that much as defenders, but I know uh, Emerson, he's going to slide back and kind of cover uh, Romero's area. And, you know, same with uh, Regulon on the left side. He's going to slide back with Ben Davies. And uh, Hugo Lloris, I really do like him as a keeper, but I feel like he's one of those keepers that plays so well with his national team and then doesn't play up to par with Tottenham. Because, I get it, with France, you have a really good defense, but, you know, Tottenham's not so great. He's still he's still a good keeper. But, um. so for this game, Leeds, uh, I like Leeds, but I do see Tottenham kind of getting back into shape. Like you said, Antonio Conte is going to have, he's going to have his chance to just, he had a long break, he had training with the team now, he's going to get back in the swing of things, he's going to be able to kind of, play with the lineup the way he wants to and see how these guys work together so i do think tottenham win. i'm gonna go two nil tottenham um goal scored by hopefully harry kane because i do want him to actually start scoring goals so i hope he scores both goals so i think that's good with the premier league we kind of previewed all the games uh so now i'm uh rubbing my hands together here for the segment that i've been waiting for at least um my team, Barcelona, uh, last podcast, we did it as we were. I remember we were recording as um, Ronald Coleman had just got sacked. At this point, they haven't hadn't officially hired a coach, but now they did. It's Xavi, the Barcelona legend, um, our legendary midfielder, along with Andres Iniesta. He, was, he got us so many trophies as a player. He was an integral part of the midfield he moved everyone around and now after coaching in uh, qatar with uh, a really good team he won like a lot he won a lot of trophies and had them playing tiki taka uh style so barca said you know what let's give this guy a chance and initially my knee-jerk reaction was oh yeah i'm so happy let's go we got we got our legend back Let's go. This is going to be good for us. We might even, we might get a Europa League spot. Like, I'm listening to myself right now. I can't even, I can't even fathom what I'm saying right now. Barca settling for Europa League, but this is just how, how miserable we've been this year. Anyway, yeah. Just, yeah. just, just, just getting him knee-jerk was very, very, I was extremely happy, but I had more time to kind of let it marinate. Think about it. <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's not that he's not a good coach. It's that the players aren't really giving him as much help as he needs as well. Players aren't going to do him any favors because yeah, he can be a very good coach, but when you have you know, injuries and Sufati's injured now, um, obviously Dembele's he gets injured every time he wakes up in the morning, like that kind of stuff. And having our midfields is just still, I mean, Pablo Gavi, I'll get to him in a second, but he's he's been amazing. But he's a he's a you know eighteen year old kid. He's not going to do everything on his own. So we have horrible defense. That's just a that's another story too. So it's not that he's not going to help us. It's that we need to help help ourselves. And yeah, maybe he could push these players a little more. Like I said, Europa League spot, but he can't do the impossible. We can't expect this guy to come in. And I think that's. What he did wrong is he came in and he put pressure on himself he he, he came out with these 10 rules um, i call them 10 commandments that he made for the players um they're pretty they're pretty run of the mill they're pretty straightforward every team probably has these but no team comes out in public with them and you know it's just uh, i'll just go through like some of them players 90 minutes early to practice um that must be two or, uh, two hours early um, curfew, forty-eight hours. Travel off-field habits will be monitored. Yada, yada, yada. It's it's just it's basic stuff to build team chemistry. But the fact that he came out with this in public, I feel like just put pressure on him. And he came out and also said that, yeah, like we're gonna. I I promise you, this team's gonna be turned around. Like, don't use the word promise as a coach. I know the fans want to hear it. Don't promise us anything because, especially now with this team, because this team is just terrible. If you were promising us with like a Real Madrid or something, as much as I hate to say it, their team, yeah, I'd accept. I'd be like, okay, we have the tools. We just need the coach. We don't have the tools. We don't have the tools at Barcelona. So we got a good coach. That being said, I'm very, very cautiously optimistic, extremely cautiously optimistic, um, especially how the last game ended um, with Barcelona. It was it was, it was was a horrible game to end the, to end the break. Um against uh Vigo. So yeah, I'm just I'm just not very I'm just not very not very confident that we're gonna really turn our season around. We're ninth. I mean, sure we can be like fourth or third maybe, like if a couple games go away, but
0: yeah, yeah, nothing's really jumping out at me, unfortunately. Right. Um, I do remember I was talking about this for quite a bit, even when,
1: before he was hired, I do remember like right after Coleman got fired, you know, you and I texted back and forth about how, you know, we saw potential candidates, you know, the rumors that we were reading. I remember I texted you one, that Barcelona was looking at Perlo, um, you know, as a potential coach. And they saw, maybe they saw that that was off limits because he was uh, coaching in Qatar. And, um, you know, they somehow got him out of that contract. And, you know, he came back. And, like you said, the knee jerk reaction is that, you know, it's really nice to see Chavi back at Barcelona. And it's going to definitely be more of a morale boost as opposed to, like, a master tactician in charge but you know like you said you know you 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 sit down and you let things marinate and you do mention that he's not a bad coach i don't think he's a bad coach only because i do i did end up watching a few games maybe a few highlight videos of him and what he did with that team in qatar and he definitely really likes to employ that tiki taka um football that Barcelona is basically famous for so I feel like what the current list of players that he has I think he could maybe po- like employ a form of that tiki taka obviously we don't have players that are skilled enough to really do it like all 90 minutes for the game looking at the defense especially looking at the midfield as well Um, But I feel like there's definitely going to be a change in philosophy at Barcelona, kind of going back to what they've been known for, even though they don't have the all-star players that we're used to seeing on that squad. But you do have some pretty good talents on that team as well. I'm looking at Pedri, I'm looking at Gabi, I'm looking at, you know, Araujo. Um, These are really good talents, players that are definitely going to be with Barcelona long term, assuming they don't sell them. Because they definitely need the money, unfortunately. and uh, Chabby's, you know, the ten Commandments that you were talking about that is also that is kind of available to every team, but I feel like it's more of a standard kind of thing. And the rules that Chabby has put in place is definitely not something you see often. Um, you talked about a, a few a few of them so far. and um, the only reason I say that it's not as common is because when Conte... Was hired by Tottenham. Um, reports came out, I think it was a week after that he got hired, that he has banned any fizzy drinks from this first training ground. Um, he banned, uh, what was it? I think it was ketchup and brown sauce as well. It kind of feels like those are things that you shouldn't really have on a training ground for a professional sports team because they're not really exactly healthy. But You know, apparently it was there when Nuno was the coach. So I feel like maybe Xavi's Ten Commandments um, aren't really as common as everyone thinks. So it's really nice to see. And he's been doing well so far. You know, he's been bonding with players. Obviously, he has has players on that team that have played with him. Um, Gerard Pique, you know, Sergio Busquets, and his newest signing, Danny Alves, who is currently 38 years old. He was playing in Brazil, I think, but he had a contract dispute with his former team that ended up you know uh, dissolving his contract they basically cut him from the team he was going without a team and Chevy, you know brought him back and obviously chavy didn't bring him back for his for the way that he's playing like he's oh he's good he's he's an okay right back um one of the best but not not currently, because obviously he's 30 years old. He kind of brought him back to really put a second father figure or a second role model, one that's more in touch with the players since he's still a current player. And I think it was really nice to see. When it comes to, like I said before, when it comes to Xavi, it's going to be more of a morale boost and kind of going back to what Barcelona is known for as opposed to, you know, tactics.
2: Yeah, and the thing with our young players, there's already teams looking at Gavi from everything he's been doing this year and everything he did with the Spain national team. You know, and that's the thing. We just we really need to hold on to these players because yeah, we need the money, but at the same time, <clears throat> the money will come. But We need to just get to those to those leagues. We need to we need to get to your, to UEFA. You need to get back in UEFA. we will get the money. We need to win. We need to get back winning the Copa del Rey we need to get back to winning these competitions and the influx of money will come in as of right now I think the the thing is to be patient with these young players and grow the young talent because they're very 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 talented players they're just too young I mean Ricky Puj him and um him and Coleman had a huge issue and as of the past two 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 games under uh, interim coach uh Serge, Sergei Barwan he he played him I mean he played him off the bench but he played him and you got Oscar Minguez in defense. He has some questionable moments, but I do like him uh, as a right back, for sure. Um, Sergino Dest. He's been he's been injured. You know he's not playing, but he's also developing into a good player. Um, Eric Garcia. He's eh, he's okay. Nico Gonzalez has been playing really well as like that central defensive midfield, kind of like a Javier Mascherano role from back in the day and you know frankie de jong is frankie de jong he's he's gonna he's gonna be solid he's gonna give you solid input You know, and sufati's injured now he just got injured the last game's gonna be out for about a month so we're gonna need some help there and dembele is injured too so it's it's a lot of it's out of xavi's hands unfortunately and i feel like that's gonna i feel like he was such a legend in barcelona that the the, the fans aren't gonna take it lightly if he fails and i don't like if he wins he's gonna he's gonna be a king if he succeeds he's gonna be a king and by succeeding i mean getting us to europa league i think every barca fan consider that a success this year so if he does do that he'll be considered a king but if he fails and we end up going lower or we stay in ninth place out of any kind of european football that's going to be a disaster for him and just because of his, his, his status and his stature, I'd really hope for his sake, because I really like him a lot. I liked him as a player, and I think he's a good coach too. I really hope for his sake that doesn't happen because I would hate to see him crumble like that in his professional coaching career. Cause, Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, tomorrow tomorrow's a huge game. It's a derby against Espanyol, also Barcelona club. And they're only... I mean, we're tied with them on points, So and they're 11th place, so if they win this game, we might drop. Twelfth. If Villarreal win, we might drop till twelfth. So this is a must-win game. Talk about your first game coaching being a must-win game. He has to have these guys ready. And we, I mean, good thing we haven't lost against Espanyol in like I think like twenty-two matches. But same thing last game, we hadn't lost against Celta Vigo like in their stadium for a really long time, and then we just. We, we we didn't lose, but we tied. We blew a three three zero lead, and um we have seventeen points from twelve games, and that's there's that's our second lowest tally at this point in the twenty first century. When we had two thousand two two thousand three, we had sixteen points. I mean, back then Barcelona was hardly even a club that anyone recognized. So this this is this is it. Tomorrow's a huge game, and we need we need to win.
0: No, I agree. It's definitely a huge game for
1: Barcelona, and uh, I did want to mention that, yeah, yeah, if Barcelona can somehow secure a Europa League spot, miraculously maybe secure a Champions League spot, yeah. Xavi's a king. He's already hailed in Barcelona. I guarantee it. Ask anyone in Barcelona who's the greatest midfielder of all time. Definitely Xavi's going to be most people's answer. And, um... Don't forget it about enemies, Yeah, and yes, as well. But like, if we're really gonna talk about it, you know, Chevy's there as well. He's he's definitely up there. Um, I feel like maybe Chevy's taking a very large leap of faith, maybe a huge risk in taking on you know this Barcelona project because you know the team does have its issues if we're going to talk about from an ownership standpoint, we're going to talk about a financial standpoint. There's so much to talk about, even, you know, player personnel. There's so much to really get into about what's wrong with Barcelona at the moment. Um so like I'm I'm afraid kind of that the fans would not be as appreciative as Ch- you know of Xavi if he doesn't do that well at Barcelona. You know what I mean? Yes, he's he he wouldn't be that great as a manager, but, like, would you, at that moment, would you really tarnish his legacy as a player because he didn't do that well as a manager? If you, if you try to, you know, if you get what I'm trying to say here, I don't, a lot of people usually do that, you know, if a player does really well for a franchise and then he goes on to become a coach later on and he doesn't do that well as a coach, you know, they kind of trash him and they kind of, like, you know, his legacy is pretty much tarnished at that point because, yeah, sure, like, he didn't do that well as a manager but they always you know bring in his playing career when it comes to that and they try to tarnish that legacy like it's not as you know spot free as everyone thinks it is if that makes sense so definitely a very big risk for Chavi. uh i definitely hope he succeeds because it would be a really really good feel good story you know uh, legendary player coming back to his franchise, you know, the, the the team that he won so much with and he takes them back to glory. It's basically like a road to glory once more. It would be really, really great to see. Um, but at the same time, you know, if it doesn't work out, I genuinely hope that fans don't really yeah. attack him or try to tarnish his legacy as a player. Well,
2: I, I personally will never do that. I would never... His legacy, but there are some very emotional fans, exactly. And That's some, what I'm trying to say, and some fans that are really used to seeing us win, and they haven't seen this side of Barça before. So, yeah, it's going to be an emotional time for him if we do lose. And yeah, like like you said, I really hope not. Um, and uh, just to wrap it up, uh, with Barça again, we really, really need to focus on just growing these these young players and. Building around them, and I think he did fire. I think he fired the medical staff, if I'm not mistaken. I I think the medical staff have been fired, the ones that were under Coleman. I mean, because yeah, something's something's fishy, you know, if all these players are getting injured.
1: Definitely up. I mean, dude, I mean, I don't understand. I don't know if it's the medical staff, I don't know if it's Dembele, but like Dembele is just a tragedy he is a walking tragedy and not even walking in this case because that guy's in the hospital bed more like most of the time but um no he's a tragedy man Dortmund should be literally like celebrating day in day out for somehow getting 120 million you know euros for Osman Dembélé crazy
2: yeah, and they've been negotiating his contract like for what? There's nothing to negotiate. You haven't been playing, bro. Like you don't you don't get to negotiate.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Like how he comes into an office or how his agent like picks up the phone and like states terms or negotiating terms is just laughable. Like what what are you what are you what are you asking for? You know, a better hospital bed?
0: You know, better food at the hospital? Like what exactly are you negotiating here? And it's funny. It's funny to say, man.
2: Yeah, well, I think I think that's a wrap, man. I think we kind of went over everything we did. We got to squeeze it in before the match week start. Uh, there is one and... more
1: thing I wanted to mention. Or it's like I don't want to get too deep into this discussion, but there is something that I did want to bring up. <laughs> um very random question out of the blue. Uh as it stands, at the moment, who do you think wins the Champions League?
2: I think, I think honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I hate to say this, I hate to say, it, but I think Real Madrid is going to win. What? Yeah, I think Real Madrid is going to win the Champions. League. You heard it. You heard it. That
1: right? is. That's hot. That is a hot take.
2: Notice it didn't take me, like, it only took me, like, three seconds to think of it. Because I've literally been Uh-oh. watching this team. You know, keep your friends close, enemies closer type thing. I've been watching this team very closely. And it's it's been pissing me off how good they've been doing and how... Karim Benzema, let me just take, like, two seconds to say this. But this guy, if you see France or Real Madrid score goals, you don't even have to watch the game. You can just open the the thing, like, the game, like, the stats... I guarantee you, ninety-nine percent of the time, Korean Benzema is going to be—he's going to be the one that scored the goal. This guy's just Jesus. unreal. How yeah. often he scores goals—it's—it's it's, it's crazy. It's annoying. And then like, <clears throat> um, Vinny Junior—he's been—he's been absolutely on fire. He's looking more like Neymar than Neymar does at this point. It's crazy,
0: man. It's crazy. I—I I know. I know. Probably people won't agree with me, but I think I—I I say Real Madrid are going to. That's definitely a hot take. Um, I don't know. I feel like Madrid,
1: they're gonna go far in this um
0: in this tournament this year. I think. I don't know if th- I'd I'd say they're gonna win it though. Um, but
1: you know, you're definitely right when it comes to Karim Benzema. Benzema is just he's insane. He's unreal. It's so crazy how he was the scapegoat during the time that Ronaldo was on the team, you know, whenever they did bad, they always, always blamed it on Benzema. Like, you know, you had a sitter, you know, you were in front of goal, you could have done this, you could have done this. But when Ronaldo left, that man has really taken Madrid under his wing and he's just taken to It's crazy to think the person that they have, they've still
0: maintained that Los Blancos status that Madrid has been you know, known to have. You know what I mean? So,
1: um, you're definitely right when it comes to talking about how great this team is, are they good enough to win the Champions League or, you know, keep continuing to be this good until the finals? I'm not exactly sure. Um, if I'm going to give you think? my prediction, I don't know. I'm. This is, this is also going to be a hot take because, honestly, any team at this point you're going to mention is going to be a hot take. Uh, I'm kind of between my team, Bayern Munich, but I'm also looking at manchester city i know both are big hot takes because Bayern munich is definitely not as dominant as we used to be um we're losing games for literally no reason now we've lost players you know we've had players that are injured most of the time like kingsley coleman uh nicholas sule you know we've had changes in our squad as well we did add some pretty good players open meccano and we've also added Marcel Sabitzer who's been fantastic for us so far when he ends up playing but um Bayern is, is definitely up there when it comes to contenders um Manchester City is also there as well because I feel like they definitely have enough players to really form a competitive side throughout this whole tournament uh, we did talk about how they re- they don't really have a pure striker at the moment, but it doesn't really seem to matter because they've been doing fantastic so far, both in the Premier League and uh, the Champions League group stage so far. So that's definitely what comes to mind. Um, if you asked me like a month ago, I would have said PSG, but PSG is definitely suffering from yeah. chemistry
0: issues. Uh, yeah. Messi still hasn't scored a score league goal, which is... Um, Uh, you know Neymar is not as dominant in
1: the French league as as we're used to seeing. Same with Mbappe. Um, Mbappe is definitely you know kind of feels like he has one foot out the door at the moment. He's literally just waiting for the season to end so he can go to Madrid. Uh, yeah, no, I don't see PSG winning it this year. Think because of the chemistry issues. I mean, they technically haven't even played with Sergio Ramos at because he hasn't played a game yet for that for that team uh, because of his fitness issues. Um, so no, yeah, my, I'm going to stick with my original answer and I'm going to go ahead and mention, yeah, I think either Bayern Munich or Manchester City.
0: Well, if you can narrow it down to a team. Uh, I'm going to go with Manchester City only because it kind of feels like Bayern Munich does really really well and
1: then sometime during the knockout stages you know between the round of 16 and the round of 8 we just pick up an astronomical amount of injuries that really like screw us over when it comes to you know whoever we're facing so I could definitely see us doing well but if we could stay healthy I'm gonna stick with Bayern Munich but realistically speaking I don't see us staying healthy throughout this entire tournament so I'm gonna go ahead and say. Manchester City. I feel like it's going to be Pepsi year. I feel like this is it. Like it's going to be now or never for him. I feel like.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I can see Man City definitely making a run. They are in a group with PSG, but I mean, both of the teams are going to make it out um, for sure because other clubs are Leipzig and Club Brugge, but which are not bad teams. But still, when it comes down to it, PSG and Man City are gonna are gonna come out of that group. As far as the Man City group, um. I mean, I'm sorry. As far as the Bayern Munich group, yeah, obviously you guys are gonna win the group. It's you guys and you know, us. We, we've
1: already clinched. So
2: yeah, you guys have 12 points. We have six. So there's no way. There's no way we're gonna even come close. So so yeah, maybe if a couple of things go your way and you get a couple of like you know easier teams in the knockout rounds, maybe make a run at like a semifinal and maybe get into the final. But yeah, out of those two
0: teams, I'll probably pick Man City too solid choice yeah yeah that sounds good i just feel like we
1: haven't really talked much about champions league recently obviously because of you know the lack of content that we've had so i feel like maybe i had to squeeze in there maybe a little bit of a discussion as you know who we think is going to take it all at the moment uh we're definitely going to go more into detail
0: about the champions league you know as the episodes uh progress um Especially after the yeah, next um, week. So yeah, yeah. Is it next week? It is next mm-hmm. week. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So yeah, most likely it's probably going to be after the draw. I feel
1: like it's going to be after the draw when we find out you know who's facing who in the knockout stages. We may go ahead and talk about like you know who we think is going to take it all. We're going to talk about analysis of like you know the previews of the the round of 16 and things like that. So that's definitely going to be, you know, that does it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening to, you guys. Um, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at The Deep End PD. That is The Deep End PD. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram. We are at The Deep End P O D C. That is The Deep End P O D C. Feel free to reach out, you know, if you have anything that you guys want us to, t- to talk about. You have any questions, any topics, any criticisms, comments, anything like that. You know, we're always our ears are always there to listen to you guys. Um, I think that does it, man. You have anything you want to add?
2: No, that's it, man. Episode nine in the books. Thank you guys for listening and be on the lookout for social media. We're going to try to get you guys more engaged in the content and uh, kind of see what you guys uh, what you guys have anyone has any ideas anything specific you want to talk about or even any of the fans want to come on and you know be guests you know guest hosts you know guest uh on our shows we'd love to do that we'd love to bounce ideas off other people so yeah
0: other than that thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys next week